For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome, everybody, to a new episode of the Topic Thunder Podcast. It is your boy, Dylan, at Thunder Chats, coming to you, hosting by himself today. I am solo. We've had a few scheduling scheduling snafus today, so, uh, you know, we've we've gone a few days without having a podcast for you guys, so I, uh, you know, we had another something else come up, and I'm like, nah, man, I've, I asked for questions on the Twitter. Well, I got some questions, so... I'm going to deliver. So, hey, I, here I am by myself. I'm going to bring the energy as much as I can and try to answer you guys' questions. I appreciate you guys bearing with us. I uh, do want to say right off the top, obviously we lost in Game 7 to the Houston Rockets. That's all. That's about all I want to say about that. I'm sure you guys have listened to all the recaps. You've read all the recaps. You've seen every take. You have your own takes. That's all well and good, but I have no interest in reliving that pain <laughs> or that memory, so... Let's just move on together, and uh, let's let's get right into your all's questions because that's what I did. I went to the Top Thunder podcast and I asked for questions, and you guys responded with about twenty five questions. So definitely appreciate you guys doing that, and we're gonna jump right in. So first off, we've got to- at Topher B five six zero who had a few questions in one and. Obviously, there's going to be some repeat questions, so I might not answer that right off the bat. But if I see a question that isn't going to be repeated, I'll go ahead and answer it. So, he asks, what players do you think will be back or traded? We'll get to that in a little bit. What are the chances Billy Donovan leaves? If he stays, what kind of extension are they giving him? Potential draft targets moving up in the draft, could we see? Any front office changes happening to replace Troy Weaver? See, I am not up to date on front office uh, management, so I'm not the person to answer the right question. I feel like Stephen Dolan or even Alex Roy has some hot takes on that. But I'm going to go ahead and address this Billy Donovan. Uh, you know, he said, what are the chances of Billy Donovan leaves? And if you kind of listen around, Royce Young's even talked about this on the Dream Team. I think Billy Donovan's here if he wants to be here. I think Sam Presti's made very clear that he likes Billy, he trusts Billy, and um, he would like to keep him around. <clears throat> the only holdup in the extension talks with Billy Donovan is, does Billy want to be here? You know, Billy came to the NBA with the understanding that he was going to be competing for a championship with Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and he was for a year. And then, you know, crap hit the fan, and he had to, you know, coach World War 
Ugh. World War Westbrook. And then, you know, we got Paul George, who's back to competing, and, you know, we lost in the first round. So, Billy Donovan's had a rough go as a head coach. You know, he came in as kind of this understanding that he was going to be coaching a contending team, and he just he, – he really hasn't. So – you know, we know that Billy Donovan has a history and success coaching and developing young players like he did in Florida when he won two national titles. So that's not out of the question. But does he want to do that? Like, as he grows in his age, I, I know that there's been reports that he wanted to get out of college coaching because the recruiting kind of aged him. Like, he, he was getting kind of tired of recruiting guys. So he wanted that responsibility taken from him. That's why he went to the NBA. So. You know, if if he's down to, you know, for whatever our plans are, whether it's rebuild or whether it's, you know, try to add on to the team we have and not contend but at least compete, then I have no problem with Bill Donovan. I know, you know, he, he's shown a reluctance to make adjustments in the playoffs, and I, I definitely think that needs to be discussed in extension talks. But other than that, this year, I mean, hey, he was the co-coach of the year by the Coaches Association. Like, he was top three in Coach of the Year voting in the NBA awards. Like, he he done a miraculous job this year. So, um, I think Billy Donovan, you know, he's here if he wants to be here. Uh, as far as what kind of extension they're giving him, I <laughs> – I think that just kind of falls into what does your timeline look like. And we'll get into that in a little bit. But um, the Thunder's timeline isn't going to be dictated by Billy Donovan. Uh, the Thunder's timeline is going to be dictated by the other players. So I, I can't really give a straight answer to that. But like I said, I I wouldn't be shocked to see Billy Donovan return. And if he doesn't return, I, I don't really know who we're going to have to replace him. But we do have a question about that in a little bit. So I'll get to that in a second. Next up, we've got <clears throat> at Cuatro underscore Cuatro. Name so nice, you got to say it twice. Is it possible to trade Adams away for a solid center who can space the floor and who can hit threes? Let me go ahead and address this. Uh, there's going to be plenty of trade Adams questions on here. I don't think you could trade Adams to another team who already has a center who can space the floor and hit threes. I, I just don't think that makes sense. Um, that's basically asking the other team to to trade their better player for a player that is not as effective on the offensive end. So I, I don't think that's going to work out. But go ahead and talk here on the rest of his question. Gallo, sign and trade to get – or to what team, and what do you want OKC to get in return? And would you keep CP3, put a solid team around him, and run it back? So on the Gallo sign and trade, sign and trades are really complicated. Because I used to be at the mind that you used to only be able to do sign-in trades with free agents. That is not the case. You can do a sign-in trade with a free agent and the other team, you know, it, it could just be a trade. So the possibilities are literally endless as far as a Gallo sign-in trade. So it's hard for me to, like, pinpoint a certain player that, I, that we could get in a sign-in trade. But... You know, like over the summer, not over the summer, but like around the trade deadline, like Kelly Oubre was a guy I wanted out of Phoenix in like a Gallo trade. And I think that's doable. Um, you know, maybe there's a trade to Miami where you could do a sign and trade with Gallo, or I mean, heck, maybe, you know, somewhere like the, the Rockets, honestly. Like, I don't know what you would get back in a sign and trade with the Houston Rockets, but. You'd be crazy not to think Gallo would fit great with that system just because 
I mean, dude knocks down threes of the best of them. Like he was a forty percent three point shooter this year, and I, I know, I know it's probably not the greatest thing in the world for Thunder fans to hear about Gallo playing with the Rockets. So I apologize for that suggestion. I, I'm just saying there's possibilities are endless of the sign and trade because it, it's basically like if you were sign or if you were trading a player that wasn't under contract, like you could literally trade anybody for anybody. So. Um, that 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 gets a little dicey, but yeah, I uh, I do believe that you know there's three possibilities: it's Gallo walks for nothing, Gallo resigns with us, or Gallo does a sign and trade. And I I feel like Gallo has a strong enough relationship with the team, the front office. Um, he appreciates that they didn't try to ship him off to Miami, even though Miami had no intention of signing him long term. Um, I, I think that he appreciates that. And, you know, we've seen over time that Presti and the OKC organization always tries to do right by the players. And in turn, players usually do right by them, uh, except for Kevin Durant. But that's the side to the point. Um, so I think Gallo would be willing to work with us on sign and trade. But, again, there's no way of telling what that would be. All right. Um, so we had somebody else ask about keep or trade Adams. Uh I'm in the mind that nobody is off limits in a trade except for three people in my mind, and that's Shea, Baisley, and Dort. Um, it's pretty funny. You see a lot of Lakers fans saying, trade Danny Green for Dort. Like, no, nah, man, that's that's just not going to happen. But, yeah, I, I don't think anybody's off the table. I think, uh, you know, obviously there's a right price for everybody, and if you get fair value for Steven Adams, I have no problem trading him. That being said, if you don't have any offers coming in, like, you know, we've seen this is a guy who can't space the floor. This is a guy who was uh, really ineffective in a series against the Houston Rockets in which the Rockets might be revolutionary, uh, revolutionizing the way basketball's played the next couple of years. Like, who knows? That's a possibility if they win the championship, which is possible. They're tied with the Lakers right now. Then Adams could be considered even more ineffective, so nobody wants – any part of that that being said he is an expiring contract next year he's uh, due to make about 25 million or something like that so there are teams that might bite the bullet to have cat space for that illustrious 2020 free agency class so they might trade for Adams for that but if you have no suitors I I don't have any issue with uh, keeping Steven Adams my only hope and I think somebody even asked this earlier or not earlier, but I'll, I'll address it later. Somebody also asked about this. Um, my only uh, hope is that when we come back to the negotiation table for Steven Adams, we like, listen, because I don't know if you guys know this. He talked about this in his book. The Thunder basically said, like, what do you want? Like, we want to extend you. How much do you think you're worth? And he said $100 million. And they was like, all right, bet. <laughs> and they paid him $100 million over four years. And that's why he's making twenty five million a year. So I, I think at the negotiation table they're gonna be like, Listen, we love you, like you're great for our culture, you're a great leader, and you know, you do some good things on the court, you're not worth twenty five million a year. This is what you're worth. And it's gonna be somewhere in like the ten million, twelve million mark, and that's that's a more fair number for Steven Adams. And and I don't even think OKC fans because somebody else said, like, I've seen a lot of Kiwi slander. I don't think even OKC fans 
don't think Steve Nams is a good basketball player. I just think that they can't get past the fact that he's overpaid for his position. And honestly, they're not wrong. So I think that if you could restructure Adam's contract where he's making less or making around market value, I think I saw somebody say Nurkic is making around $12 million, So that might even be too rich for some Thunder fans' blood for Steven Adams. But uh, I think that if you could restructure that contract to where he's not making as much, then um, it'd give us more flexibility and it wouldn't uh, garner so much slander from Thunder fans. So, like I said, I, I don't really care if we keep or trade Steven Adams. Obviously, if the price is right, you let the guy go. All right. Now, those were all the replies to my tweet. We're going to go to the top of Thunder tweet now. Uh, Doug Beck. Got to love Doug Beck, man. He's a uh, dude trying to get me into every virtual um, uh, virtual courtside fan experience <laughs> in the bubble. Uh, he actually sent me one of his playoff shirts that didn't fit him. So shout out Doug Beck, like you're awesome. And he sent me about eight questions, and I'm going to get to those in a little bit. But let's go ahead and jump into a few other questions that people have left us. And we're going to start with my boy Zach at Thunder County. He said, does it all depend on Gallo? If he decides to stay, should we run it back? If he decides to leave or do a sign-in trade, does that mean we're definitely doing a rebuild? You know, I find it really interesting that Zach asked if it depends on Gallo because I've been telling everybody since really before we got eliminated by the Rockets, I think it all depends on Chris Paul because one thing that's been apparent this season is if Chris Paul is on the floor, your team is winning basketball games. If Chris Paul's on the floor, your team is better than then if he wasn't on the court. Like, if Gallo's not there, then Baisley takes the power forward spot. And we've seen Baisley take a huge leap in the bubble, and that could be huge for his development. So I don't think that Gallo is the um, the overarching authority on if we're tanking or competing. I do think that Chris Paul is. Obviously, you know, if Chris Paul's trading, we don't get a point guard back in a trade or a draft or a signing or whatever, then Shea's thrust into that role. And I know... Uh, Shay's left a sour taste in some of the people's mouths because of his performance in the bubble. But the fact of the matter is, this is a year two player. I mean, he was playing with the clutchest player in the NBA, one of the greatest point guards of all time, and also another high usage point guard um, that was really just torching Houston's small ball lineup all series. So I can understand why he kind of faded into the black um, for a lot of the series. But I do think Shea has the potential to, you know, be the starting point guard of this team for the future and be a franchise starting point guard, like a really good point guard. Um, the thing that the thing with Shea that, um, you know, we really need to kind of let happen is he's got to play through his mistakes. Like, if I mean, guys, we love Russell Westbrook. Westbrook makes a tons of mistakes. The Houston fans are seeing that firsthand. Westbrook makes a tons of mistakes. But through those mistakes – you know, you've got to take the good and the bad with Westbrook. And it's like that with any player. I'm not saying Shea's going to make as many mistakes as Westbrook, and I'm not saying Shea's going to be as great as Westbrook. But in order for him to step into that next echelon of greatness, we've got to let him play through his mistakes so he can learn through those. And I think that if Chris Paul's gone, Shea's going to be running the show, and he's going to be making some mistakes. He hasn't had to lead the team as the lead ball handler for a f- complete season since he was at Kentucky, and obviously that's at a different level completely, but 
he hasn't had that. So he's going to make mistakes and he's going to have to learn through those mistakes. And if we're making those mistakes, then guess what? We're probably losing some games. So that's why I think it depends on Chris Paul. Uh, although it is interesting you say Gallo. I know Gallo, <clears throat> like I said earlier, like Gallo provides a lot on the court for us. And, you know, he has three options. He could walk, he could sign with us, or he could sign a trade. Sign a trade is obviously great for us because we get somebody back. I'm, I was on somebody else's podcast and I talked about this and I, I probably get some flack from Thunder fans here. I don't really want to resign Gallo. <laughs> like, I think we got really fortunate, not only with Chris Ball, but with Gallo of them not getting hurt and missing significant time. I think this was like the first time in uh, Chris Paul's career that he had, hadn't missed like over 10 games or something like that and the same with Gallo I don't have a number or anything like that but I could just tell you like this was a much like this is probably one of the healthiest seasons from Gallo we've seen in his career and do you want to play with fire and bring him back like maybe you can bring him back for a cheaper deal but like I said earlier this is a marksman this is a guy that can shoot 40 percent from three on eight attempts a game at the powerful position like those guys don't grow on trees those guys you know, demand that kind of contract. So I'm not super interested in bringing Gallo back on that money and gambling on him staying healthy for the remainder of his contract. So I think you got to strike while the iron's hot on Gallo and try to do a sign and trade. And if for some reason he's just not interested, I'm like, I mean, look, you just got to let the dude walk. I mean, like I said, he's a Markman's from deep, but he can't play defense, and he's getting older every year, like everybody is. But, you know, like I said, <laughs> we got really fortunate with his health, and I just I don't think you could bet on that happening again. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's my thoughts on Gallo. Um, going to at 3 com, my boy Connor. He said, what is your ideal trade package for Chris Paul? This is a loaded question right here. So, there's, in my eyes of Chris Paul, there's three big teams that everybody's talking about. One's the New York Knicks because Leon Rose and his connection with him, and um, you know they're uh, kind of resetting the culture, bringing back some young pieces. I'm like a Kevin Knox or Frank Nilakina or maybe even the first round pick this year, or potentially a future pick in the future. That'd be cool too. But there's also Philadelphia, which makes a lot of sense because you got Joe Embiid, you got Ben Simmons, who have proven that they can't really do it together. Um, I think that team needs kind of a culture reset. I think that team kind of needs a leader. I think that team really needs somebody that's going to have the ball, you know, in the last seconds in the clutch. And as I said earlier, the guy that led the season in terms of net rating in the clutch, points per game in the clutch, is Chris Paul. Duba's an absolute killer. So I think he could be great for Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Ben Simmons can kind of slide in that power forward role, and Joel Embiid will have one of the best point guards to ever play the game. Calm plays for him. So I think it makes a lot of sense. And then the newest idea, the freshest idea, seeing that Milwaukee is down three games to one on the Miami Heat with Giannis possibly not playing game five, is, you know, Giannis is a free agent in 2021. Teams are going to be lobbying for him like crazy. 
And if Giannis, if if Bucks ownership doesn't do something to show Giannis like we're serious about competing, like show Giannis like, hey, you should stay here long term. Nothing's gonna stop Giannis from demanding a trade, like Anthony Davis, like Paul George, you know, a few years ago, like Kawhi Leonard, like nothing's gonna stop Giannis from doing that. So I think the Bucks might get desperate and go for a Chris Paul deal because. I mean, face it, your two best players, Chris Middleton, Giannis Antetokounmpo, aren't guys that are playmakers. Like, their shot, like, you know, Chris Middleton can create his own shot and Giannis can get to the rim at will, but, like, when it comes to running plays, getting guys open looks and creating for your teammates, they don't have somebody like that. The closest guy they have to that is probably George Hill. And George Hill ain't getting it done. So I think Chris Paul makes a lot of sense there. But... I do want to float a team by that I I don't really think anybody's talking about. And I'm actually going to write an article about this, so this is a little tease. That's the Brooklyn Nets, all right? So you look at the Brooklyn Nets, and they're similar in the same ways as the Bucks and the Sixers in the fact they have two superstars who kind of need a leader and need a playmaker. And you might say, oh, Kyrie Irving's the playmaker. Okay, well... Kyrie tried to be the playmaker in the Celtics, and he was more uh, he more creative for himself than others. Um, the thing with the Nets that I think is really interesting is, you know, you got these guys in KD and Kyrie. They were great basketball players in their own right. Like, don't get me wrong, but they're not leaders. They're not the alphas that you kind of need on a championship team. Chris Paul is an alpha. Like he, he was the guy that can take the shot at the end of the game. He's the guy that can you know, make the decision, get KD open, or get Kyrie in space. And, you know, we've seen on this Thunder team, Chris Paul can play alongside another high-usage guard in a Dennis Schroeder, a Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and have success. So much success that it was the best three-man lineup in basketball. So who's to say Chris Paul can't do the same with Kyrie Irving and Spencer Dimwitty, if they decide not to move on from him, Karis LeVert, if they decide not to move on from him, and still have success. I absolutely think they can still have success that way. And then the last wrinkle on that is you've got Steve Nash, who is now the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets, one of the best point guards of all time. You have two of the best point guards of all time kind of playing off each other. You know, we saw how good Billy Donovan was a head coach this year with Chris Paul under him. Just think about the the basketball minds of Steve Nash and Chris Paul kind of working together day by day trying to create new plays, you know, to get guys open, to win basketball games. Like, I just think that's a recipe for success. And obviously, we we know, <laughs> we've known for years, the East is weaker than the West. I say that after, well, literally every team that I mentioned is in the East, but I mean, I don't know, man. I, I think that if Chris Paul went to the Nets, depending on who they have to give up, and I don't know who they would give up. I don't know if they would give up a Karis LeVert in the deal or Jared Allen or anything like that in the deal. Like, I, I haven't looked into logistics, but just the idea of Chris Paul, Kyrie, and KD, I really think Chris Paul can kind of be the guy that brings them together and unlocks their potential. So that's that's a dark horse team for me, Cone. Um let me know what you think about that. <clears throat> um, going on to the next question here. Speaking of the Nets, at I'm so Dizay, who's not Australian, that's how it's spelled, 
says, would you like Kenny Atkinson as the new head coach? He did good with the Nets young players. I don't know, man. I don't know enough about Kenny Atkinson to say yes or no. All I know is that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving didn't want Kenny Atkinson there, and they made so he was not there. Um, ultimately, my prediction is Billy Donovan remains with the Thunder, so I think this point is moot anyways, but I'm just going to go ahead and say probably not. Uh, I don't. I don't think Kenny Atkinson would be who I want to coach us through this rebuild. Um, if we're going to, like I said, if we're going to be rebuilding, then I want Billy Donovan there because I trust his player development and his ability to unlock the potential of young players. So that's what I got to say here. Uh, let's see here. So at Chicken Susan said, will there be fans at the peak? Will you go? Fun fact, if you don't already know this about me, I live in Kentucky. I've been to one Oklahoma City game in my lifetime. I've been to one NBA game in my lifetime. So um, asking me if I'll go is not the end-all, be-all on if you guys should go to the games. Um, I think Doug Beck actually asked a question similar to this. If I could find it. Yep, I can't find it. it. Okay, here we go. He says, should there be social distance spacing in the arena? How will that impact pricing? I know nothing about the pricing. Uh, I don't know what the NBA's plan is on this. I think Doug Beck actually asked another question about what the salary cap's going to look like. That is a Stephen Dolan question, if I've ever heard a Stephen Dolan question. Um, but I think that if you do let fans into the arena, I think you have to socially distance them a bit. You know, if you look at the movie theaters, uh, specifically Cinemark, uh, my uncle's a district manager at Cinemark, shout out Robbie. (laughs) Um, If you reserve the seat, automatically, if you reserve one seat, the seat in front, behind, to the left and right of whatever your last seat are, are all taken. So uh, automatically you have at least a little bit of space in between you and the other person. I think that, obviously, there's a lot more seats in the NBA arena than there is in a theater, so I think you could expand that to two, maybe even three seats. I don't know. I, you know, you could definitely zigzag them, so, you know, even behind, you have, you know, the six feet, six feet social distancing, and I think you could still get a good crowd atmosphere, um, maybe even pump in a little bit of crowd noise. I know people probably aren't the biggest fan of that, but it is a possibility, and I, I do like the idea of the virtual fans. I think you could still kind of institute that at a smaller degree and it'd be effective. So um, I guess my answer is I don't know if fans are going to be allowed and I don't know if I'm going to be able to go. A lot of that has to do with work and when games, when home games are falling on the weekends and stuff like that. But I, I, I like what Doug Beck's saying here. I think that a socially distanced NBA game would absolutely work. Uh, it's just going to have to take some uh, number crunching and brainstorming with guys that are much smarter than I am. So I definitely think it's a possibility, though. All right, next up we've got, all right, at Basley, at Basley Fan Club says, make a move on draft night, possibly trade up in draft for someone with a lot of talent. 
you know, actually, whenever we first got Chris Paul, everybody was all like, oh, we're trading him on uh, December 15th or whatever, when one of the newly signed free agents can be traded. And then everybody's like, no, 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 we're going to trade him with the trade deadline. Absolutely. I was always in the mindset just because of his contract and just because I thought that he could bring positive value to our team as far as his leadership and his on-court ability um, that we should try to cash in at the trade deadline. You know, barring any catastrophic injury, I thought that he was going to do everything he could to build his trade value up, and he's done that in spades. And I think with the free agency class being as lackluster as it is, I think the best way that you could do, or the best thing that you could do with Chris Paul was trade him at the draft. Because, you know, if you look back historically, Sam Presti's made some pretty big moves at the draft, you know, uh, specifically when he traded Serge Ibaka during the draft for Demona Sabonis, Victor Oladipo, and Irsan Eliasova. Uh, I think Sabonis was the 11 pick, something like that. Like, don't quote me on that, but we've seen Sam Preston make some draft day deals. So, I mean, and if you even if you look at last year, whenever he traded down to get Darius Baisley, um, he traded Brandon Clark to get Baisley, and I think the Grizzlies second this year. So, Presti loves making deals on draft day. Uh, He's always working the phones. He's always trying to work for the best deal. So uh, I would not be shocked at all to see us make a move at draft night. And as I said earlier, I I think Chris Paul is a definite candidate. But not just Chris Paul. Dennis Schroeder played great all season, played great in the bubble, uh, except for game seven. So his trade value is up as well, and he's a name that's been coveted by other teams too. So that could be another name that's traded on the draft day. And, you know, he said with the possibility to trade up in the draft, you know, there's there's deals that are done on draft day that not necessarily have anything to do with moving up in the draft. Like, we could trade our pick and players just for another player and not get another pick in the draft. That's also a possibility. So, uh Presti has a million options. Like he, he has endless options of what he can do with this team. So, uh, I'm excited to see what happens. Um, you know, we just we just got to get there. All right, I'm just gonna take a couple more. Uh, let's go with okay, yeah, let's go with this one. Okay, so at Riley Storm emoji says tank season or run it back. Now I had this argument with somebody on Twitter. And I'm just going to say this. I can see both sides. I can understand why you would run it back. I mean, heck, we were basically a shot away from advancing to the second round over the Houston Rockets to a team that just beat the Lakers in the first game. So I can see why you'd want to run it back. I will give this caveat. If you run it back, and I think somebody says this. Uh, I've got to find it. Uh, I'll find it later. I'm sorry, whoever said it. Uh, so if you run it back, I don't think you could bring the exact team back. I don't think you could just re-sign Gallo and not trade anybody and call it a day. I think you have to try to improve this team. I think if you run it back, you need to try to take your draft picks and maybe even one of those players, maybe even a Dennis or a Steven Adams or a sign and trade with Gallo. And I think you need to try to improve this roster and bring in somebody that can help out who that who is that player? I don't know. I don't know exactly, but I think that if you run it back, it can't be the exact team because I think 
We've seen what this team can do. And the West is going to be a lot stronger next year. Phoenix showed in the bubble they're not going to roll over. Minnesota's got a new bag of toys with trading for D'Angelo Russell. Malik Beasley nobody's talking about, and they just got the number one pick. Speaking of picks, the Golden State Warriors have a healthy Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, Andrew Wiggins, and the number two pick. They have some flexibility there. So the West is going to be a lot stronger than it was this year. And we made it as a six seed, but we were very close to being seven seed. And if things didn't go absolutely perfectly, we could have been in that playing game for the eight seed. So nothing's promised. Like absolutely nothing's promised. So there's a lot of risk if you run it back. And that's why I think tanking would be a lot easier. It would be the easy route. Obviously, you know, emotions running high after how well this team did according to their expectations um and you know where they finished i mean you know what whatever you want to say about how we finished in the playoffs this is the this is the farthest we've gotten the playoffs since kevin durant left we haven't had a game seven since kevin durant left so you know take that what you will i understand why you would want to run it back but i think tank is the easiest play uh, Evan at Evan ETM even made the comment. If I can find it, of course I can't. It's so hard to do this. Okay, yeah. So it's Cade season, right? We trade Dennis CP, sign and trade Gallo, right? Like that. That's the mindset of somebody that wants to tank. They want to try to you know get all the way up to that number one pick and draft Cade Cunningham, which obviously has ties to Oklahoma, but is also an immense crazy talent and. I'm a big fan of Kate Cunningham. You guys know I'm a Kentucky fan. If we can't get all the way to Kate Cunningham, I think B.J. Boston would be a great fit along Shea and the young guys. Like He's going to be a really good player. So you have options if you decide to tank. And I believe we even get one of the Rockets, Clippers, or Heat's picks next year. But I cannot think of whose it is. I think it's the Clippers. <coughs> Not 100% sure. So, yeah, I see the benefits of either one, but if it's me choosing, I'm picking tanking. Uh, you know, for for the reason of, you know, it being easier. But also, I think that if we want to see Shea grow sooner than later, I think Chris Paul and Dennis Schroeder have to go in order to, you know, as I said earlier, make those mistakes and learn from those mistakes and grow from those mistakes. And I think as he does that, it's going to make it easier to tank, and that way – you know, when the pieces that we add through the tank and the rebuild are on the team, Shea's made his mistakes, he's learned from mistakes, he's grown from his mistakes, and he's ready to lead this team. And he has that knowledge and that wisdom and that experience that he's had with Chris Paul to also kind of help spearhead all this. So, yeah, I, long answer short, tank. It's tank season, Riley. Absolutely. All right. Gonna get a couple more here. This is on the uh, kind of tertiary players here. So at DSimso11 said extend trade wave like F Mary Kill Ferguson Diallo Nader. This is tough, y'all. So first of all, let's start with trade, and you gotta look at trade value. I don't think Ferg has any trade value at all. 
and he's shown that he can't really shoot right now. He's gone through a lot. I don't know if a new a change of scenery would be good for him. Hamdu Diallo, he has a lot of potential. A lot of, I mean, he's he can jump out of the gym. Uh, he's got a lot of untapped potential, but he hasn't shown the ability to be able to score the basketball and particularly shoot the basketball, which NBA teams are all coveting right now. And then you look at Nader, a guy that can shoot the basketball but can't defend a tumbleweed. I don't know why I just said tumbleweed. <laughs> that was just the first thing that came to my mind. He can't play defense. He can't play defense. He can't. He can't divert. He can't guard a piece of paper blowing in the wind. So it's really hard. I would say trade Nader just because he's older than those guys, for one. But he has a skill. And skill has value in the NBA, and his skill being shooting. Uh, I believe he shot 38% from the three-point line this year, which is a career high. And if you can shoot from that clip, then you can find space on a roster. Um, so I'm going to say trade Nader. Uh, man, it's going to make me sad, but I think I'm going to extend Ferguson and wave Hami, even though he played at Kentucky. Um, you know, Ferguson, even though he really struggled in the bubble, he really struggled this year in general. The guy has shown that he can play defense. He can He's capable of playing defense at a high level he's shown that he can shoot the ball at the high at a high level and even though he didn't do it this year we just haven't seen Hami do either one of them so yeah I'm gonna have to extend Ferg trade Nader and wave Hami fight me on that y'all fight me on it all right a couple more questions you know what I've been teasing Doug Beck uh all right, let me answer Maddie and Sarah's, and then I'll get to Doug. So Maddie asked a gluttony of questions here. He said, who is still on the team next season? I don't care as long as we are Shea, Dort, and Baisley. What is CP3's trade value now? Absolutely sky high. I think you could get one first and a young player, and maybe even two first and a young player, of course, imagining salaries with how good Chris Paul played and the leadership that he has proven that he provides for your team and the culture that he provides for your team. Is Shea an all-star next season? Uh, I'm just going to say short answer, no. Even if Chris Paul's here, you know, Shea had a great year, but I don't think he's going to have the ball enough to put up all-star numbers like a Donovan Mitchell or Trey Young or something like that. And if Chris Paul's not here, I think Shea's going to be playing through a lot of mistakes. I think the next year might be when Shea uh, makes his first all-star game. So, yeah, that's my prediction. Biggest package you would give for Giannis with no extension – Mm, we kind of had this uh, this conversation. It's tough, man. If you're getting Giannis, I mean, he's an immense talent. I don't know what kind of players you would give up. Maybe you could do a Gallo sign-and-trade with – I mean, I would give at least four picks. That's probably still low-balling. I would give them anybody but Ferg, Bas- I mean, but Shea, Dort, and Baisley – try to keep Chris Paul. I mean, maybe you give up Adams or Dennis. Probably not Adams. They probably don't want Adams with Brooke Lopez. Maybe you give up Dennis Schroeder in that deal so they get a playmaker and a an elite shooter to go alongside Chris Middleton, and they're, all hope is kind of not lost in Milwaukee. 
And then you have Chris Paul, you have Shea, you have Dort, you have Baisley, you have Giannis, you have Adams. And, you know, maybe you can get somebody to sign with you if you trade for Giannis. I don't know. It's a possibility. Um, but as Maddie said, he has no, he's, you know, you have no promise for an extension. So that is your win now team. And do you think Chris Paul, Shea, and Giannis can win a championship? I think they can. So, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm doing. Uh, Danilo, Dennis, and four first. I think that's fair. Chances to move up in this draft, move out for future picks. Uh, I would say I'm just going to hedge my bets and say that the chances of a draft day deal are super high. That's all I got to say. Um, and Billy D sticking around, as I've said many times in this podcast, I think that Billy D is here for better or worse. All right. At another hip artist. Oh yeah. Maddie's at is at Maddie Moles pod, by the way. Apologize, Maddie. At another hip artist says, since I'm seeing so much Kiwi slander lately, parentheses, I'm not happy by the way. What teams would you, would be interested in the return realistically? What Jersey are we most likely going to see Schroeder next year? Do we give Dre another contract? All right, I'm just going to answer these as short as possible because I've kind of gone so long. The team that I think would be interesting and interested in Stephen Adams, Boston Celtics, for a return that we would get realistically, Gordon Hayward. Obviously, he's nursing an injury right now, but I think he's due back in a two weeks, if not one week, for the Boston Celtics. So he can still play, and we've sh- he's shown this year that he can still um, he can still hoop out there. So. I wouldn't mind having a Gordon Hayward on this team, and if you're just giving up Steven Adams, I I absolutely, you know, am okay with that. What jersey we most likely to see Dennis Schroeder in next year? Uh, here's a hot take for you. Los Angeles Lakers. I think the Lakers want Chris Paul. They don't have enough to get Chris Paul. I don't know what it's going to take to get Dennis Schroeder there. Maybe. I, actually, I, my buddy's a huge Lakers fan, and I've actually – you know, thrown a bunch of trade ideas off off the wall with him, and I've I've pretty much deduced that that trade package going around Danny Green, Contavious uh, Caldwell Pope, Kyle Kuzma, now it's Caruso is not enough to get Chris Paul. We don't we don't want to mess with Danny Green's contract. KCP is a no trade clause. We don't love Kyle Kuzma, and we don't really love Caruso. So I I think we can get better for Chris Paul, but I did ask him. And I said, Dennis Schroeder for Danny Green, Kyle Kuzma. And he said, yes, absolutely, in a heartbeat. That's a trade that I would like to do with the Lakers. Obviously, the Lakers do it because they have a playmaker, a guy that can go get you a bucket, one of the quickest first steps in the entire league. And the Thunder do it because you get a guy like Kyle Kuzma, who he's had his up and downs in L.A., and maybe he just needs to get away from the bright lights in L.A. Maybe he just needs to come to another team that has – you know, doesn't have the weight of the world on his shoulders. Uh, you know, he's proven uh, different times that he has locked down defender potential. I think he locked down Paul George and Kawhi in that first game of the bubble against the Clippers. He's proven that he can fill it up in a hurry. I think I think he dropped like 35 on us earlier this year when LeBron and AD were out. So he's proven that he has this talent. I just think he needs a new situation to unlock it. So if we give up Shooter and get Danny Green and Kyle Kuzma, uh, I would be happy with that, and I think Schroeder would be happy with that because I think Schroeder and LeBron actually have a relationship. 
I was looking at my time hop the other day and they were doing something in Germany for charity in which they were shooting a three for like $10,000 and LeBron missed and Dennis made it because of course he did. So uh, I think Dennis would love to play with LeBron and AD and I think that it'd be great to see Dennis win a championship. And do we give Dre another contract? Yes, but not as a player. I think we signed Dre as a player development and uh, assistant coach kind of like what Nick Collison will be, but Dre doesn't have any kids, so he doesn't have any kids to spend time with instead. I think Rachel Demita will understand, uh, you know, and I, I think he likes being around the organization. I think he trusts the organization uh, because the organization try to do right by him, and like I said earlier, I think that he'll try to do right by the organization. I think he'd be happy to be a coach. We'd love to keep him in the system. He's been great for Dort and Ferg's development over the years. I mean, there's guys talking about Dort being one of the best defenders in the league right now, undrafted rookie, and a lot of that's because listening and watching Dre. You know, he's lost a step defensively, athletically, physically, absolutely, but upstairs he's all good. So I would love to give him a contract as a head coach. All right, now we're going to get to all of Doug Beck's questions to get out of here. Is Dort's contract the best deal in the league? Can we give him a raise so he doesn't get buyers or more in the cheap deal? My wife felt bad when I said that his deal was $5.4 million. She thought it was per year. Don't want to see him get upset like Pippen. This is a great question. Uh, it's probably the best contract in the league, absolutely. Uh, I think your extension eligible... God, no one's going to kill me if I get this wrong. I think you're extension eligible two years before your deal's up, so maybe after the end of next year he'll be extension eligible, and I think that Presti and the Thunder would, you know, barring some catastrophic decline or regression to the mean for Lou Dort, I think that Presti and the Thunder would be more than willing to extend Lou Dort and, you know, help him out there. Um, next Doug Beck question. If we keep Adams, can we get him down to a reasonable number for a long-term deal? That's what I said earlier. I think if you get him down to like the 10 million range, you know, three year, 10 mil, four year, 10 mil, something like that. I think he's good for culture. I think he's good for leadership. Um, I think he's good for toughness within the group. Uh, you know, this is a guy that's constantly playing through injuries. And if you, you have, you know, one of your leaders that are playing hurt, um, not injured because there is a difference. Uh, I think it sends a message to guys that hey, you know, I can toughen up. I can toughen this out. My team needs me. So, yeah, yeah I think if he accepts less money, I'd absolutely bring Adams back. Should we run it back and eventually transition Chris to six man and keep Dennis Schroeder as the starter? That is a bold take, Doug Beck. Uh, <laughs> talk about changes if you run it back. I'm just gonna say I disagree with that and move on. Um, if we try to run it back, should we spend assets and add a piece? Absolutely. You can't just run it back. Uh, what, what, what's that quote? Um, the definition of insanity is doing the exact same thing over and over again, expecting the same results. I think if you bring this team back, you have to make a change. You have to add a piece um, because, like I said, the West is stronger. It's going to be even harder next year, so I think you need to add a piece to kind of help you get over that hump. What's the likely salary cap for the next year, and how does that impact our plans? I have absolutely no idea. At Steve Thunderfan is the man to ask for all things salary cap. Or at Bird Rats, uh, at Bird Rights NBA, David Brandon, DailyThunder.com. Uh, he is also great at this stuff if you absolutely hate Dolan for some reason. How big of a leap does Baseman make next season? Does Diallo ever make that leap for us? 
Uh, I think the only leap the Owl is going to be making is in a dunk contest <laughs> on breakaway dunks and for random rebounds. Uh, I think Diallo kind of is what he is, man. I don't know if he's ever going to be able to shoot. I don't know if he's ever going to be able to defend. I think he's just going to be kind of be a high-energy player, and I think he could be beneficial as kind of like a backup a backup four, like a small ball four. But the thing I've noticed about Hami, whenever he's on the floor, he wants the ball in his hands. And when he has the ball in his hands, he makes mistakes. And unlike Shea making his mistakes in the next couple of years, Hami doesn't seem to learn from that. So I, I don't think he ever makes a leap for us. And how big of a leap does Baisley make next season? Man, I think sky's the limit for Baisley. Uh, I think that prime Pascal Siakam, by prime I mean literally like six months ago Pascal Siakam, is uh, kind of what I see Baisley's season at, or ceiling as. Uh, you know, a big guy that can play defense, that can go out and get buckets. But he also has a nice feel for the game um, in terms of distributing and playmaking. So I definitely see him make a leap next season. Uh, we've seen the guy doesn't shy away from big moment. Um, Michael Porter Jr. obliterates Montrezl Harrell at the rim. I will definitely be looking at that. Thank you, Bleacher Report. Um, but, yeah, I – I think sky's the limit for Baisley. Uh, the Pete Freak, as Stephen Owen so beautifully named, uh, is a great nickname for him because Duke could be honest. Duke could be Spicy P. I've heard a lot of people say Lamar Odom. So when you're compared to those guys, you know, you're doing something right. And I think the last question from at Doug Beck, at the Doug Beck, I should say, is what would be a cool new jersey idea for next season? I don't have a great answer to this because I'm not super creative. That would be my wife, and she is currently snoring next to me. Um, the I, I, I guess my short answer for this is I really think it's been a missed opportunity that we don't have some kind of yellow jersey. Uh, I don't know. I, I think a bright, like, yellow jersey. You know, there's yellow in our logo, but also, like, yellow and lightning. I, I think that would be cool. I think if it was, you know, well done. And Nike's done a great job with all our alternate jerseys from the green jerseys, um, the Navy statements, the orange statements, or I think there were cities this year. I don't know. And then, the, of course, the, uh, the city edition this year, um, you know, the gray, the Oklahoma City bombing memorial. I think they've done a phenomenal job. So I trust Nike there. Give us a yellow jersey. Give us some kind of lightning overlay on it. I, I think it would be cool. And, yeah, man, I mean, there's a, there's a few more questions here. Is the Ferg experiment over? I don't think so. I I think Billy trusts Ferg. I think the organization kind of stuck their neck out for third, Ferg and they want to keep him there. Which young player should we target to pair with Shea? Devin Brooker will be awesome. I'm just kidding. Uh, that's <laughs> There's literally so many people. I'd love to see Booker, Cat, Fox. Okay, I'm just naming UK players. <laughs> Simmons and Bede, Giannis, like, you know, there's all kinds of players I'd love to see with Shea. And I, I I will end with this. I think the beauty of Shea is you can take any young player and build around Shea. If you want to draft Kay Cunningham, Shea can be that off-ball, or not that off-ball, but that uh, that combo guard, that scoring guard position, and Kay can kind of run point. You want to get B.J. Boston, a scoring machine, then Shea can kind of run point, run the show, and, you know, create for his teammates and for B.J. Boston. Or if you want to get two guards, guess what? Shea can kind of run small forward. He's, a, he's an undersized small forward, but he's got a lot of length. And, of course, he's got great scoring ability. So 
he could be there. As Alex Roy dubbed him at the beginning of the season, a lot of people forgot about it. He's a perimeter chameleon because he could play anywhere on the perimeter. And guess what? In those small ball lineups and the three-guard lineups and the lineup of death and the best lineup of the NBA season, Shea was the small forward on the on the floor. So I, I definitely think that he could even play there. So that's the beauty of Shea Gilders Alexander. And I've been saying it, but now I am officially done. I, I want to thank you guys for all your questions. If I didn't get to it, I'm really sorry. Uh, I, I don't want to ramble any more than I have. I hope you guys appreciate and enjoy what you've listened to. I hope you don't roast me too much for my answers. And I hope you guys, you know, just have understanding that, you know, it's it's hard. <laughs> it's hard for grown men to come together and podcast and talk about basketball, you know, two, three times a week. So, there are going to be scheduling snafus. There are going to be gaps here and there. But just bear with us. We're going to get content out there because we know you guys want that. And we want to get that out there for you guys. So uh, we appreciate your all's loyalty. We appreciate you guys sticking through us. And we appreciate you guys, you know, just being here throughout the season. You know, the ups and downs that we face. Mostly ups, honestly. Like, it's it's been a great season. Um, you know what? I, I will actually go ahead and say... One more question, the answer to one question, because it kind of ties into my ending here. Uh, at H Martin 907757751. Okay, well, after reading that ad, I want to be done. Said, How do you rate the season overall? I think it's an A plus, man. Like when we went into this season, we had 0.2% chance of making the playoffs. We was thinking we were going to be the 15 seed. We we're going to be tanking. We we're going to be trading Chris Paul, trading Gallo, trading Steven Adams, maybe even trading Dennis Schroeder. Like we thought we was blowing it up this year. This was supposed to be. We started the rebuild, and we fought, and we punched, and we climbed, and we kicked, and we scratched, and we bit, and we made our way to the sixth seed, and we got all the way to game seven against the Houston Rockets, and we fell short by one shot. Man, I don't know how you don't define that as success. And it's been a great season. It's been really fun. It's been a great ride. Uh, I can't wait to see what happens in the off season. And, you know, when we eventually do get to basketball, what the team's going to look like. And, you know, until we get there, we'll be here with you guys. We'll be talking some trades. We'll be talking free agent signings. We'll be talking draft. We'll be talking coaching decisions. We'll be talking a little bit of everything, guys. So keep it here with us. We appreciate you guys listening. We uh, hope you guys well, follow us on Twitter if you don't already. Like, what the heck are you doing? At OKC Top of Thunder. And if you don't follow me on Twitter, again, what the heck are you doing? At Thunder Chats. And if you haven't rated us a five-star rating or gave us a positive review, or you know what, maybe even just a constructive review. Tell us what we're doing wrong. Tell us what we need to do better. Like, we can accept criticism so we can make this the best podcast that we can for you. Whatever the heck a podcast is. <laughs> so we can make this the best podcast that we can for you. So, you know, just leave us a review. It could be positive or constructive. But leave us a five-star rating. And subscribe, of course, so you don't miss any podcasts that we drop. Uh, but, yeah, until then, I am Dylan at Thunder Chats. Appreciate you guys listening. I hope you guys have a great night. God bless. And don't forget, Thunder Rock!
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.